And now, it's time for Mr. College Football and Friends with Tony Barnhart. Hello and welcome back to our last Mr. CFE and Friends for the 2022 college football season. Man, guys, what a season it was. I mean, Georgia closed out the season dominating TCU 65-7 in the CFP National Championship game at SoFi Stadium in lovely Inglewood, California. The Bulldogs finished 15-0, won their second straight national championship. They are the first to do that in the college football playoff era. We're going to talk about that and a lot more tonight on Mr. CFB and Friends. But before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor, APA Games, APBA Games, the unquestioned king of quality simulation products. You'll find them at APBA.com. Mr. John Herson, we appreciate his support all year long. So let's bring on the esteemed panel for this show. And we're going to start by going to lovely Sichuan, Massachusetts. Mark Blauschen was out there on the West Coast with me for the whole duration. He is back home in Sichuan. Mark, welcome home. What was the biggest takeaway you had from that Georgia blowout? Well, the biggest takeaway, Tony, uh, you know, the, the new stadium was was, was a, a fascinating thing. But what happened on the, on the stadium floor was impressive because of Georgia's dominance. But, but also, and we talked about this before, Georgia was as good as Georgia was. They were one field away from not even being in the game. Uh, if they, well, Ohio State had made that field goal, Georgia's not there, which shows me the fragility of, of the college football season and success and failure this season. Well, that's exactly what me and my boys were talking about uh, in the stands at the end of the game. Guys, you realize if that Georgia, if that Ohio State kid makes that field goal, <clears throat> nobody, none of you guys are here. I'm still here, but you guys aren't here. So it was fascinating. All right, Herb Gould and his wife, Liz, were nice enough to join us for a special dinner last Friday night. And we were in Santa Monica, weren't we, uh, Herb, yep. if I yeah, recall? We uh, let me ask you this. What did you take away from that blowout? Well, you know, I mean, I, I think that we've, we've seen that in the NCAA basketball tournament, you know, where a dominant team, I remember uh, being around like, maybe the second round, those great Florida teams with uh, Joe Kim Noah and, and uh, God, I'm, I'm blanking on all the other guys, but that team, that I think they won two in a row, didn't they not? They did. Um, oh, six and oh seven. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I remember they were, you know, they were, they were one basket away from an elimination in the second round, maybe the first round against Butler or somebody like right. that uh, before Butler was Butler, you know, it happens. And, you know, um, you got, it just hats off to Georgia. I mean, they survived that Ohio state. Uh, close call and ECU, you know, all credit to them for what they did all season. But I think, you know, Tom might have mentioned it when we were uh, chatting back and forth that, you know, if they had to run through the SEC all season, they would have had multiple losses. They never would have, you know, been able to escape the way they did in the Big 12. So, you know, you look at it and you say, you know, it, it, it the only way, the only question in my mind was whether TCU could keep it close. I, I never thought that they were going to win the game. Um, and Georgia came out and played their A game, and, and TCU was really skittery at the beginning, uh, which didn't help matters at all. Max Duggan was definitely off his game. He, he was, but you know what? If I had Georgia's guys chasing me, I would be off my game too. But all right, Tom Lucci, the locksmith. 
you call these things with regularity. You, you made sure that I took the points and I, I didn't think Georgia would cover, but they certainly did. You tell me, did you see anything like this coming? You know, I didn't. And uh, I'm kicking myself over it a little bit, Tony, because two things, not been a TCU guy all year. Um, and I've certainly not been a big 12 guy all year. I think the league is uh, long on parity and short on quality. And uh, again, as we mentioned with Herb, I think if TCU's in the SEC this year, maybe they're eight and four, you know. Uh, so I didn't see that. I, I, but I did think they would be more competitive than maybe the Texas State Pop Warner League champions, you know, uh, which is basically what they were. It was, uh, you know, uh, it was a really kind of an embarrassing performance, if you ask me. I mean, there were times, I have to be honest with you, I, when I was watching, now I know things get out of hand, kids get frustrated, but, you know, on the one touchdown pass to McConkie, the DB just gave up. He yeah. just stood there. I don't know if you remember seeing this, Tony. He just stood there like he wasn't even in the game. It was just – it's an embarrassing performance by TCU. Takes away from a good season on that. I and mean, we'll get into this a little later. I'm sure you'll get into the rankings. But I am beside myself for anybody ranking TCU as the number two team in the country in the final rankings now. Yeah, I, I, think, makes, it's, I think it's absolutely farcical. That makes no sense that you could watch a team get blown out like that and still keep them at number two. No. Well, Tony, they lost two of their past three, two of their last three games. They weren't yeah. a conference champion, uh, and they lost one of their games by 58 points. Yeah. So you tell me, you're putting them number two. What's the point of playing the games if it's no. predetermined? I, no. To me, I'd have them five or six. No, and that, that, that makes absolute sense. And you're sitting there watching TCU and going, now explain to me again how this team beat Michigan or how Michigan lost to this team. Because it made no sense to me. I guess Harbaugh was on really on top. Hey guys, you know you know what that that game Monday night reminds me of. Blau, you remember when we were the national championship game between Alabama and Notre Dame down yep. in South down yep. in South Florida. Before the game, a bunch of us went down on the field, and I what looked I looked at Alabama's players, and then I looked at Notre Dame's players. I went back up to the press <laughs> box, and somebody said, "What do you think?" I said, this Ralph, is, yep. this is men versus boys. Absolutely. I mean, you, I mean it, it was just, you could look at the players and go, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, Notre Dame was a good team. They played well together, but there was no way. And that, that's what this game reminded me of. One, one other thing, the, the way the game played out early on. All right. Georgia takes the ball scores uh, on the first possession. They get a turnover 10 to nothing. All right. It's going to TCU comes down the field. Boom, 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 boom. In for a touchdown. That's 10 to 7. I'm saying, okay, here we go. Georgia, way, he, Georgia said, no, 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 no. They came back down the field, took the lead, and then it was over. Because TCU responded, then Georgia responded to TCU's response, and the game, the ball game was over. It was, uh, it was absolutely an incredible And Tony, thing. I would say this, guys, too, in, in – this is we're getting down to the uh, final years of this 14 playoff system, but to take nothing away from Georgia, but they went 15 and 0 and didn't have to beat a conference champion this year. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, th there's, there's got to be a little bit better system than that where we get some conference champions in there. And the fact that we had two and a half the field was not a conference champion led to that, but it's just kind of interesting. Again, not taking away from Georgia, they didn't beat a conference champion this year and went 15 and 0 in the national championship. Well, and, and that was one of the, yeah, that was one of the reasons why, in the preseason, I picked Georgia to repeat as national champions. And they said, how can you do that with all the losses they had? I said, have you looked at their schedule? I mm -hmm. mean, who, who are they playing? Nobody in the, Tennessee got a little better, but 
South Carolina got a little better, but right. nobody there was no real challenger. Florida, <laughs> Florida was down, uh, so there was really no challenger there. Oregon was was not up to the game, and, and they didn't. Yeah, and and they did not. Georgia did not play. They played Auburn, but they didn't play Alabama. They didn't play LSU on the other side. So there was there was a very good chance of you know good good for Georgia, good for them. It was. Uh, yeah. It was a very, there was a logical reasons why I thought they were going to go undefeated. Now, my man Herb Gould sent me this story. This kind of stuff fascinates me. Did not know this, guys. Overnight TV ratings were in from the national championship game. Topped out at about 17.2 million viewers. That is the fewest, the fewest for a national championship game since the BCS cranked up way back in 1989, 1998 season. Prior to that, Ohio State and Alabama, that was the COVID year, right? 2021, COVID year had about 18.6 million viewers. It was the biggest blowout of an AP top three team ever. But I will say this, the viewership of all three playoff games, because in there, you got that Georgia versus Ohio State game, and that drew a big number. And I, I do think I, I will start with you, Herb. When you're looking at these games, is if one of those big 10 teams make the final, I think the ratings for that championship game are totally different. What say you? Yeah. You know, I think that would help. Um, although, you know, I think you, maybe you mentioned, I mean, the Ohio state Alabama championship game did not do great numbers. I mean, I, right. I think part of it, you know, just, I looked at some comments online from some, uh, you know, just fans, and I think one of the things that struck me was how many of them do not like the Monday night game, especially the West Coast people, because you know they're they're not even home in when that game kicks off. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it would have the matchup thing would have helped a lot, uh, but also. Play, you know, playing it on a Saturday or a Friday is going to be a big thing. And, and I think the, the biggest part that fascinates me, Tony, is that with all of the money that's involved in in television and, and what's really driving the sport, how are they going to, you know, sort of tweak this to make sure that they do the numbers that are going to give television the payback that that, that they are looking for? when they put up all these uh, dollars to, to televise these games, you know, th- th- there's just so many parts to this that, that I, I don't know that we could even get too deep into here. You know, the other part is that, you know, some people think that going on ESPN rather than, you know, an ABC or a CBS, we know that CBS window has been very, very good for, for uh, the SEC uh, on Saturday afternoons. And now it's going to flip over to the big 10 soon. You know, television is is really fascinating because that that's what really matters now with all the money that's being poured into endorsements and uh, television rights. Well, Herb, you just touched on this, uh, Tom Lucci. I didn't I didn't know one of the things that were in this story. They were looking, okay, why are these ratings where they're there? They, they, and like Herb just did. They took a broader picture and said it's not the teams. Yeah, that's that's the teams and the competitiveness of the game are very important. But they also said this that I did not know: thirty million homes in the United States have dropped cable television, and those numbers have not been replaced by the streaming systems. Right. And so, because it, as Herb said, because it's not on national over-the-air television that has had a real impact on these numbers and yeah so the numbers are skewed a little bit 
you know, when you you can't factor in the the streaming. And I agree with her, but all those factors. Also, Tony, you had you have a private school from Texas, doesn't have a national following. I think Georgia's a national name, but I don't know that they have a national following in the sense of, and just hear me out, a Texas, a Notre Dame, yeah, no, I agree. an Alabama, an Ohio State, a Michigan. Uh, I, I Listen, they've won two national championships. They're a na national brand. But as far as a national following, those five schools, maybe USC, although not much on the East Coast, I don't think. But those five schools really, um, they're the ones with the cachet, and they're the ones that that help drive the ratings, too. So you had a small uh, private uh, school from Texas, <clears throat> Georgia, which hadn't won in 41 years, and is not is not Texas, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, so uh, that certainly factored into it. But I agree with what Herb was saying. It's it, There are a lot of variables involved with that. Blau, let me ask you this. Uh, a, a college football playoff official that we know very well, I, I asked him, you know, what have you learned here lately? And he said, we have learned that Saturdays are really good for us. Right. It, is it, Mark, is it no more complicated than that? Is that the ultimately the college football playoff is going to have to say, let's work with the NFL, but we, we can't give up these Saturdays to play our games because we're afraid of the NFL. Is that doable? Well, yes. And, 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 and you guys have talked about that. I nailed it pretty good. And, uh, and they they figured it out too because the first national championship game in a twelve in a twelve team playoff will be in Atlanta on a Saturday. They figured it out. Yep. So they figured they're going to have a, a bonanza because they're going to play the two, two semifinals on New Year's Day, which is their, their bonanza. Then they wait and it'll be on a Saturday. So so they'll, they'll figure. I think they have a chance to succeed in in that that thing. As to the ratings this this weekend, I was telling you fraternity uh, uh, boys. That at at eight the game ticked, uh, was kicked off at four thirty Pacific time, and it, and basically it was over by five thirty six o'clock in terms of everybody uh, at local time. I said, I said in the East Coast at eight forty eight, every TV set watching the game started switching to nine o'clock shows for for they got I bet you they got zero ratings in the Northeast or oh oh point one because that's the nature of the beast. They don't like football and. and well, you know, that's that's the other big story. And you, and you guys just mentioned it in terms of television is that with the college football playoff expanding and, and with the NFL being insatiable on, on putting its games on television. And I've seen a couple of, of pieces written about this. The, the college football and the NFL are going to butt heads for television windows. Uh, it's just inevitable. And, I, you know, then how does that impact ratings? You know, I mean, I, there's a lot of people that if it's the NFL, they're watching it. If it's college football, they're watching it. I, we both, I, I think we all know people that come down on both sides of that. So, you know, there's, you know, everybody is just trying to milk every dollar out of this in their television uh, numbers. And it, it, it can't go on forever, I guess, is the the, the bottom line. Lutz, could, could you make a deal? Where okay, you, in, in any college football day Saturday, you got three windows. All right, you got your noon window, your three thirty to four o'clock window, seven thirty to eight o'clock window. Okay, could could college football make a deal? Says, look, we we will get NFL. We will give you the four o'clock. We'll you can take the four o'clock window and the eight o'clock, seven thirty, eight o'clock window. We'll take the early window with the advantage of playing on Saturday 
outweigh the fact of playing at noon because you it, obviously that's nine o'clock in the uh, nine a.m. in the West. I'm just trying to think of a compromise that would allow the college <laughs> football mean, her, not her, not to go. I could probably address this. We talked about this in an earlier podcast about how Ohio State Michigan is always on a noon at noon, right? Yeah, doesn't yeah, that generally is. do well? Oh, I yeah. think it does. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, that's what I'm and, saying. You know, so they you got get, their granted, it's two named teams, her <laughs> national teams, but that's a noon slot, and and that's a, a playoff game would be the the equivalent of that. So sure, I think it might work. Yeah, and they they have to, you know, I mean, that was I think one of the reasons that the you know the Rose Bowl numbers were down this year, and then that that's a a bowl game that traditionally does really well because people are, you know, it's just it's just a tradition to watch that thing in the late afternoon in the Midwest and East Coast, and at this point, it was the lead up to that Buffalo, that ill-fated Buffalo um, Cincinnati game where, you know, which was disrupted by the, I don't know, we call that an injury illness. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, all of a sudden, the Rose Bowl was the undercard to an NFL game, which, you know, there, there's just a lot of things that these people are going to have to work out as, as, as these number of games mushrooms. Right. Guys, look at this. ESPN, which does both college football and the NFL, I think they're more than willing to give the, uh, let's say that the championship game in Atlanta uh, uh, in 2026, I think they're more than willing for the championship game to stick the, the championship game at night and the NFL will, will take the noon slot I, I, for, for yep. a first round or a second round playoff game. I think I think that makes sense for them advertising-wise. I think they'll make more money for advertisers doing that. So I think they can be worked mm -hmm. out. Well, the the bottom the bottom line, guys, is is I I I can sense that there's a movement towards hey Monday Monday night championship games at eight o'clock Eastern seven thirty Eastern are not working for us. We need to come up with something else. So I I think it'll be interesting. Uh, it won't it won't change until the new contract comes up for the uh, what twenty six season twenty four twenty three twenty five season. Yeah. Or Tony, one more thing. We, we're going to have a, a sample because. The NFL has the has the Bucks versus the uh, um, uh, the Cowboys on a Monday night wild card game. Let's see what the ratings are for that. Now you got Tom Brady, you got the Cowboys. Yeah. Let's see what a Monday night playoff game, a wild card game, draws. All right, all right. Let's take a quick have a quick conversation about the final AP poll. Obviously, Georgia, fifteen and 0, First time Georgia's ever been fifteen and 0. 20, 29 and one the past two seasons, two national championships. We're going to talk a little bit more about Georgia in a little bit. Uh, Brother Lucci, I'm assuming that, uh, yeah. as you said earlier, it's, that TCU at two is silly. Here's Joe. the thing, Tony. And I, I voted on many AP polls before getting kicked off, proudly getting kicked off, getting the boot, by the way. Um, now's the time you can take the body of work. Okay. And, and my point to you anybody putting TCU in, let me well, let me repeat this. They lost two of their, their final three games. They were not a conference champion. One of those losses was by 58 points. Okay. To me, I have Georgia, obviously. I'd probably go Michigan two, maybe Tennessee three, Alabama four, Ohio State five, and then TCU. I, mean, I could flip Ohio State and TCU at five, but I'd have three SEC teams in the top four along with Michigan. I don't think TCU's in that class. I mean, how did the Big Ten champion do against the runner-up of the West Division of the SEC? It didn't belong in the field with them. Right. And that's what I'm saying. The league was not good this year. I don't care what the metrics say. I don't care what the analytics say. The Big 12, if you watch college football, was not a good football league this year. Nope. 
Nope. Is it is it turning? Two and well, seven in the bowls. In the bowls, by the way, Tony. I think people fell in love with the TCU story. Yep. And just and just I don't think we I don't think any of us did a great job of evaluating them. But hey, but they got in and, and there you go. The the AP poll, uh non Lucci AP poll is Georgia, <laughs> TCU, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Tennessee at six, Penn State at seven, Washington, that's a good finish for Washington at eight, Tulane, the green wave, twelve and two. How about that? And Utah, a team that I really like playing. So uh, that's an, it, it'll be interesting what, how the next rankings will start out, but we'll have time to talk about that later. Guys, I want to take a couple of minutes and talk about Stetson Bennett, the fourth. And in this context, this context, and it's this, somebody else raised this issue today and I agree with it. Isn't it about time that we included the college football playoff and the performances in the playoffs and the bowls in the mixture for the Heisman Trophy? Because think about this, if Stetson Bennett were still eligible for the Heisman Trophy, this would be his resume. I know it's just based on one year, but here is Stetson Bennett's resume at the end of his career. 29 and three as a starter, 90%. Two national championships out of two years as a starter. One SEC championship. He played in four college football playoff games. He was the MVP in all four games. He was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. So this guy, I will start with you, Mark Blauschen. Wouldn't it make more, and I know all the reasons why you can't do it and why you, you know, you know, it's gotta be in December and da 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 da. But wouldn't it be fair to include the bowl games and the playoffs in the final Heisman? Say no, voting? Mark. Huh? Say no. Well, <laughs> Tony, you make perfect sense, but they can't do it because you can't move the Heisman Trophy uh, thing to, to, as, a, as an afterthought. It, it's not going to happen. You yeah. you answer your own question. Um, uh, yeah. Logically, absolutely makes sense. It would, be, it would be great to do that, but it's impossible. There's no way you can possibly wait that long because everyone's gone. People are forgetting. It's it, and, and plus it diminishes the regular season. So so again, so what happens if a guy has a pretty good season and then and then, then he goes, you know. Uh, wild in the playoffs like Bennett did, or or, or what's his name? Kale Williams had a great regular season and and, and did it right to the end. He he was a deserving Heisman Trophy winner. I think his his performance was fabulous all year, and he played hard. So it's a good argument. But it can't happen. Can't do it, Tony. And, and I'll weigh in with two quick points. First of all, you, you want to have a level playing field because what you're saying now is just the the SECs and the and the USCs and the Notre Dames can only have the Heisman winners. Because the other schools are not going to get, you know, into the playoffs. All right. So uh, that's one thing. You won't have a level playing field of 12 games. Everybody gets. And think of the other sports, Tony. Baseball, MVP, Cy Young, done after the regular season, before the playoffs. That's because it's a level playing field. That's the only where I, only reason I disagree with you uh, in terms of uh, adding in the, uh, you know. Listen. To, but what it does it, leave. How many MVPs is he get, the guy going to win? He's got <clears> to do. What does he need the Heisman Trophy for? Well, that's right. You know what it does leave room for is, as you pose that question, Tony, made me think some enterprising corporate entity that wants to sponsor a new award could hype it. And then because, yeah, historically, the Heisman has, has always been given out after the regular season. And that's not changing. But if somebody came up with another award, promoted the heck out of it, 
and and did give it out after the uh, bowl season. You know, it'd be a different type of an award, but it it could go far. You know, if you if you promoted it right, and and um, it could it could be a very big deal. Hey, Tony, it's, it's Tony, it's there, it's there. Archie Manning, that that award was awarded to Bennett, the Debbie O'Brien Award, right? Or what, right, and and because because Archie was what what you were saying, he wants. The regular season to count the postseason to, to count in in, in de- determination. So it's already in place. It's there. Well, first of all, you guys are t- entirely too logical for my taste, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We can we can do that. All right, let, let's let, let's turn the page here about Kirby Smart. Uh, I mean, he, here's Kirby Smart's resume since he's been at Georgia. And for people who don't know the backstory, Kirby Smart was an All SEC football player at Georgia. Uh, coached around a bunch of places, spent seven, spent 11 years with Nick Saban before he became head coach at Georgia in 2016. So he's been there seven years. In seven years, Kirby Smart is 81 and 15. He's 29 and one the past two seasons. He's been in three national championship games in the past six years. Six SEC championship game appearances, has won two. The question is, guys, at some point, we're going to be talking about somebody to replace Nick Saban as the best coach in college football. Mark Blauschen, how close is Kirby Smart to surpassing Nick Saban as the best coach in college football? For the present, for the present tense, right now, he's gone past him. Right now. Okay. Now, now we're talking about what his legacy is going to be. I mean, Nick is, is, is still the GOAT. I mean – because of, of his numbers, but the more we go on, and, and, and they get it becomes two, becomes three, it becomes four. Well, then, then we have a discussion. So, but right now, I don't think there's any question. I mean, you know, he's won the head-to-head, he's won the national championships. He right now, he's the best coach in college football. End of discussion. Tony, weren't we saying this about Dabo Swinney a few years ago? Yeah. I believe we were. I believe we were. Yeah. When he went, well, that's one, why you know the, the part two, that now. matters is yep. that you got to have. You know, he's got. Two championships. How many does uh, Sir Nick have? You know that he's got about four or five more to go, right? Yeah, five more to go. <laughs> you know, then yeah. then then you yeah. start talking about goat things. Um, you know, the other part is that he's got. You know, as I think about how many TCU starters would start at Georgia. You know, I mean, they said he's got. He part of this deal is not just coaching, but it's really going out and, and dealing yourself a good hand, bringing in the groceries, and and, and he's doing an unbelievable job of that, and the way Nick Saban has and, and probably will, you know, may do again. You know, it it's a combination of, in, in uh, college football of, of recruiting and coaching. Well, that, I mean, that's the only way you can explain this season. I mean, think about this. I mean, he lost eight NFL draft choices on defense, eight, five, five in the first round. So five first round NFL draft choices on your defense. Three other guys went and he could have had a ninth one. Okay. The Carter Carter was the best defensive lineman on the team last year. He came back. So they could have had nine, uh, nine guys, six guys drafted in, in the first round, 15 total draft choices still went undefeated because they still had the talent not to drop off that Tom Lucci and the schedule made it possible for Kirby Smart to go 15 and up. Sure. And isn't uh, isn't that an annual occurrence at Alabama? You lose nine drafted players. Yep. And they still seem to sustain. I, I mean, listen, I think Kirby Smart's headed in that direction. But again, to get back to what we were saying, I thought 
three years ago, Dabo Swinney was headed in that direction. And he couldn't, well, he's had an off year this year. Let's see how he bounces back. But sustaining it in the ACC is a lot easier than Kirby trying to sustain it in the SEC. Very good point. Very good point. All right, let's talk on a couple of topics as we get ready to wrap this thing up here. First of all, I know you guys have been wondering about this, and I looked it up today and saw it in a couple of other places. The last three-peat for national champions was in 1936 by the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. Mark Blauschen, knowing what you know, Georgia's, Georgia's got a lot other than the quarterback. And other than one of the tight ends, Washington, they got a lot of guys coming back. They got Brock Bowers coming back. They got a bunch of running backs coming back. The offensive line, Mark Blauschen, you tell me, can Georgia do a three-peat on us? Something had been done since 36? Absolutely, because I think USC was was one, you know, uh, Vince Young, the touchdown away from doing that. Yep. 2005. Yep. So it's, and, and looking, look at their schedule next, next year. Look at... Who they who they have back? Look at I mean we saw a, a glimpse of the future when the, when the backup quarterback I mean came in and and, and kind of dipped into a touchdown right away. That's the future for Georgia Tech for Georgia right there. So I think absolutely they, they can they can and again it's only a four team uh, playoff. So right the right things go uh, in their way. It's absolutely possible. Herb Gould, Big Ten had three teams to finish in the top seven when all was said and done. Pretty good year for the Big Ten. Based on what you see and what you hear, is the Big Ten gonna is going through sort of an uptick here? And surely they'll surely Iowa will figure out its offensive problems. Huh? You got to promise me that. Yeah, so. There you go, Iowa. Well, I tell you what, you know, I mean, we still, as we've talked about, we need to know what's going on with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan and then the NCAA uh, questions. But, you know, there's a lot to like about what's going on at Michigan, even though, you know, and, and that's only going to make him ornery or the way they let that that TCU game just really slip away. I mean, they just never gave themselves a chance. Ohio State is going to be right there. And uh, I tell you, if what I'm reading about what Wisconsin and Luke, what Luke Fickle is doing with this transfer portal, you know, they're going to be, I, you know, of course, it, I think they they have a chance to you know all make a really big jump because all of a sudden they're going to be playing a modern offensive game with Phil Longo as their offensive coordinator. That's so I guess amazing. the short answer is that yeah, there's there's a lot of things going well with the Big Ten. But that said, the Big Ten is not as smart as the SEC. The Big Ten they beat the hell out of each other in November. You know when Alabama and Georgia are playing, you know Florida A and M and the Citadel. These guys are getting drilled by yep. teams that aren't that uh, good. You know, th- there are some things that need to be tweaked before the Big Ten needs to figure out if they're going to really peak at the right time. Well, the Big Ten's got to figure out if they're going to play if they're going to play nine conference games and to play all your your easy games up front. <laughs> or, don't they play? Do they play nine in a row? Nine conference they, games in a they row. They play nine That's conference a, games that, generally nine in a row because you know the other thing is Tony. If you tried to to bring you know Eastern Michigan to Ohio State in November, you know, the, th- that would not fly. It doesn't work. In the Big Ten, you got to play Big Ten teams in November. Oof. So, you know, and you need to play the nine. I would like to see if they would standardize it. You know, I mean, either they should all pl- they should all play the same number of conference games. Well, yeah, here, here's what's going to happen. When, when, when Texas and Oklahoma join the league in 04, 24, when that happens, they're going to go to nine conference games. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the, te- I the television you. dollars dictate it. Absolutely. You know, the other thing that I think would be a great equalizer is if you went to an, a, a top-notch mid-season non-conference game, you know, the way we have like in, in basketball, although now it's going away to the ACC Big Ten Challenge where you match the best against, you know, rank them up. If you did that in mid-season and took the Big Ten against the the SEC and then rotated around a, a Big Ten against the Pac-12, SEC against the uh, ACC. If you did that, you know, around November 1st, now you would have a, a real data point and then you would really know rather than having these disparate schedules, you know, there are things you could do to standardize schedules that I think would, would you know, make it, it would make it more interesting from my standpoint. Well, we're going to have a bunch of those arguments as we get closer to the, 2024 20, uh, season. So we, we're so sick. A couple of quick things as we as we finish up. Tom Lucci, I know you're going to deal straight with me here. Bobby Petrino going to Texas A&M to work for Jimbo Fisher. This smells of desperation. Could this work or is it going to be a disaster? I don't know. It looks like the coaching staff from the longest yard. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, listen, the one thing about Petrino, he's a great offensive mind. I don't think anybody disputes that. Um, you know, off the field, there's a, there's a lot to be desired there. But again, we've, we've touched on this how many times. Jimbo doesn't care. Jimbo basically has a lifetime contract. They're not going to pay him off $80, $90 million, whatever it is. So Jimbo can go ahead and do whatever Jimbo wants to do, especially if he has a bad year. It didn't he, doesn't he lead the country in, in players transferring out this year? I think it doesn't yep. matter. It, yep. it just doesn't matter there. So you gotta do it. Um, they don't care who they, they put on their staff. They don't care what it's just they are a perfect SEC team. Well, I was lo- <laughs> I was looking around for a team that might surprise us, prize us a little bit. I looked at have you looked at Florida State? Does Florida State have a chance to challenge Clemson? Yes, over in the oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, thought, I think what Luch talked about during the season. I mean, they they look like they have things put together in the right direction. He's, I mean, I I had some doubts about him for the first couple of years, but now he 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 was you know he's a good co- uh you know he's built a good program and I think and especially the ACC is down Clemson. I think Clemson's got some worries. I think Dabo's got to try to put things back together where where he's back among the super elite. He's he's still an elite. I mean, ten win team. That's that's elite. But now he's got to get an 11, 12, 13 one year. And he's going to worry about what's going on. And I think FSU is re- They got the swagger back almost. I think they're ready. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate uh, you guys and what a great season it's been. We hope to come back from time to time when, when something is going on. But it's been a great season, and I've really enjoyed it. Okay, that'll do it. Thanks once again to our sponsor, Apple Games, apbagames.com. Thanks to our technical staff of David Amaral, Sheila Dufresne, and Maria Barnhart. You guys have been great all season long. And well, I really want to thank all of you who have joined us all season. We hope again to be back from time to time. Look, don't forget our website, TMG College Sports. It's at si.com slash college slash TMG. All of our stuff is there from the National Championship Week. So for Mark Blashen, Herb Gould, and Tom Lucci, this is Tony Barnhart. Thanks again for joining us at Mr. College Football and Friends. Be safe and carry on.